Oh man, you're you're just you're putting me on the spot on this. I I have to because because you know when you go to an event or any uh, that brands need to be more human in this digital world that we live in. Because I I really want to chip away at your character today, Greg. I'm trying to figure out who is this who is this man been standing behind the Nike brand forever. But even if it's a a TikTok video or an Instagram reel, um, it's it's. It just becomes disposable if people can't connect what you sell and what you believe and what your promise is with what they're watching. Then they have to see um, your authentic self within that, right? Mm. Be on that ride of Nike mm. football, going from a business that almost had no revenue at all to becoming number one in the world. Have done is they've gone to that place first and then created an, an invitation for their consumers to be a part of that movement, right? Mm. Steve Jobs, Elon Musk, Phil Knight. Um, just like the most curious individual I ever met in my life was Kobe Bryant. I've always looked at our family as a team, mm. right? We, we mm. ride together, right? Your consumer, the, your consumer doesn't care about your process. Hi, my name's Greg Hoffman. I was just on the Ryan Holtz podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Rhino Show podcast, the number one black hosted podcast here in Canada and globally top 1%. This is the show that you come for every single week to listen, learn, grow, and be curious, which my next guest, I mean, you are in for a treat. Canada, it is Canada Day today for, for my guest. I know, hey, Independence Day is what you guys celebrate, uh, but Greg Hoffman is the former chief marketing officer for Nike and the author of an incredible book called Emotion by Design. Greg, welcome home, man, and welcome to the sh welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Ryan. It's great to be here. Just a pleasure. Looking forward to the conversation today. I love it. I love it. First thing I want to ask you, because I think it's it's so important, is how does it feel to 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 put your life's work into a book and ship that book out into the world full of all kinds of crazy opinions and all kinds of stuff. Like there's got to be that vulnerability of just putting yourself out there. How does that feel for you? Certainly, you know, because it's, it's, it is your life experience um, personally and professionally. And uh, it is in some ways like one of your children, right? Um, Absolutely. And, um, and, and also if you're a perfectionist um, and you're just in this pursuit of trying to create the complete, you know, story, um, you know, perfection isn't necessarily possible. So at some point you got to put the pencil down and um, um, put it out in the world. And so uh, there's both trepidation with that, but also um, just excitement um, because I just, I, in this moment in time, I did have a sense of urgency to make sure I got this out into the world because I do feel we live in this um, digital world, right? Mm. Um, and um, there's maybe less emotion at play between brands and their audiences. So now, now is the time. I want to know, and I'm so curious about this because we're living in a, in a cool age, I call it, where you're starting to see a lot of the team behind the logo, so to speak, come out and, and come into the forefront. You know, CEOs are, are becoming rock stars, CMOs, all these different things. How has it been to go from marketing Nike and building that brand to now coming out and building the Greg Hoffman brand, so to speak? And I asked this question with a little bit of an undertone of, man, we did digital deep dive. And the one thing we kept seeing in comments of some of the interviews that you've done was 
we want to know a little bit more of Greg's character. We want to know his personality. Now, I'm a curious person. I mean, I'm half black, sure. half white. I There's so many like similarities between you and myself. That's where right. I'm like, I just want to know what, what makes you tick. But what has been kind of that bridge for you between going for marketing a brand and now marketing for Greg Hoffman, so to speak? Well, it's, it's a great question, Ryan. And in some ways, it's, you know, walking the talk, right? <laughs> um, you've, you've represented this, this, you know, the coolest brand on earth. And you've had these amazing uh, opportunities and this privilege to, to uh, lead world-class teams across multiple disciplines. And now here you are uh, on your own to build your own brand with essentially your own hands. Uh, and... Um, yeah, so it's been a growing experience, right? Taking uh, everything that you know, but also um, just learning a lot about the publishing industry itself. And um, really, Ryan, what I've been doing is what I always try to do with the Nike brand is make sure that the distance between, um, you know, who you see or what you read uh, is the same as reality. You know, and that's what this journey has been. And so when we speak today, um, it's moving beyond maybe the caution that you sometimes have um, within the media and and try to come across as as honest and real uh, as possible, because I think obviously that's what I uh, my role was with the teams to mm. to create that type of um of relationship with the athletes uh mm. and and um and the brand right and um come across as uh as a human being right mm. because i think so much of what you may see today is is contrived or or controlled so um how do you and and part of the reason why i'm writing the book is is to to ensure that um you know, we reveal more about ourselves and the traits that make us who we are um, as an individual or as a brand. Um, and I think that's what ultimately um, the best brands do. And that's why yes. they have the staying power. Yes, I love that. It's it's really interesting. I, so I, I opened up the book when I got it and I, I, I immediately kind of thought, I want to look at this book visually because I know how much of a stickler you are. I mean, you, you entered into Nike as a graphic designer. I mean, you know the concept of layers and fonts and all kinds of crazy stuff. How hard was it for you to say, okay, this is the cover that I, I, I'm, I'm gonna run with. And I wanna ask you a question. What made you leave your face off the cover? Because a lot of authors we've had on, you know, Seth Godin, Robin Sharma, all these people, some of them, they put their, their, their face on. And I always wonder from an author standpoint, face on or face off? Is it something you did debate about? You know, we, we didn't debate about that. You know, if you think about the cover here, there's an abstract image of the Air Force One. And that's, <laughs> yeah. and that's by design, right? Because the Air Force One was yes. the sneaker was designed in 1982. And yet here we are 40 years later, it's the number one selling sneaker in the world. And it's also uh, the most important and culturally relevant sneaker uh, in terms of status, you could say, right? And it's also my first sneakers that I got. They were used when I was a 14-year-old basketball player, right? So that meant a lot to me. And it was important to create a symbol that delivers on this idea of emotional attachments between product and people, right? Mm. And so that's what I wanted to lead with. I will tell you, Ryan, right, in, in the publishing world, um, 
you know, I, uh, you know, I didn't have necessarily uh, the creative control that mm. one might associate with someone mm. that's le- had the career I had. So uh, it was it was good for me to collaborate with the team and get to a point where we all felt really good uh, about what we put out there. Everything from because again, I talk a lot about you know the power of color, the power yes. of typography and branding yes. and all those different brand elements. And so, obviously, I have to deliver on that as well uh, with this book. And, um, you know, there, there will be a, maybe there's a book in the future <laughs> with my image on the cover. Um, <laughs> but to convey, I think, uh, the, the principles that uh, are distilled within this book is important to, to, you know, maybe show an example of, of you know, a, a best-in-class example uh, of that. I love that. Uh, one thing that caught me immediately once I opened the book and started reading it is I like your little forward. You said to my wife and children, Kirsten Rowan and Ayla, uh, thanks for always dreaming with me. The the statement for me that really took was thanks for always dreaming with me. I'm of the notion, especially as a dad. I mean, my whole aspiration life is to be the world's best dad. That's number one. But I always think that children know when their parents are not chasing and going after their dreams. I feel that in my soul. So the fact that you said, thanks for always dreaming with me, it just made me feel like as a family, you guys are, you know, literally working on your dreams together. What, what, did, like, that's a big statement. Where, where does that come from yeah. for you? Yeah. Thank, thanks for pointing that out. And I've always looked at our family as a team, mm. right? We, we mm. ride together, right? And from the very beginning to now my, my kids have grown up, you know, one's in college, one's just graduated college, right? But we're still a team. And, you know, so throughout the years, you know, we would dream about, well, where do we want to go in the world, mm. right? Um, and where would we, when we get to that destination, who would we like to meet? What would we like to see? What do we want to experience, right? And and cultivating this culture within our family of curiosity and and learning, right? Mm. And um, I think that created, you know, stronger connections between us. And also um, this this idea of, um, I also always say complacency is the enemy of creativity and, mm. and really daydreaming, right? Ooh. And Ooh. so I never, uh, you know, at least for me as a leader professionally, but also being a dad, um, just making sure that they saw my curiosity, curiosity and this, this kind of deep motivation to find things, new things, and learn from others. Um, and ultimately, that's going to spark um, your own curiosity and fuel your own dreams, right? If you're only looking at what's in front of you and you're in your own bubble, um, it's really hard to be stimulated um, to achieve, you know, things that maybe you didn't think were possible, right? Mm. So I'm, I'm, I'm very proud of the fact that now when I see my children um, as these young adults, um, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're always also looking outward, right? And having a worldview. It's back to this idea of empathy, yes. which I think the world needs so much of right now. You know, it's 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 really interesting because I I I'm such a 
you know, I, one thing I, I for me, I, I never ever want to let go is my little boy. And I always say, I want to be a big kid always because I love the way kids approach everything with curiosity. You know, when you look at somebody who's adulting, I call it adulting a little too hard. They walk into a room, they go right to their table and they don't even look around. They just go straight ahead. Whereas kids, they're like, oh my gosh, mom, dad, look at the colors, look at the wall, look at the everything there. And that's where you're getting that curiosity. But I always like to say education is inoculation against obscurity. And I feel like in marketing and branding, um, we're always fighting obscurity because in some senses we are day trading people's attention. Um, and I think my question to you is what would be the difference? What is the difference between marketing versus branding? Because I think people get them very confused and often intertwine them. What would be your answer to the difference between marketing and branding? Well, to me, branding is the pursuit of creating an impression in the consumer's mind, right? Mm -hmm. And a set of, of a, a positive associations about your brand in the, in the audience's mind. Mm -hmm. Marketing are the activities, right, that you're managing and driving to achieve that positive, distinctive impression and um you know try to spark a level of affinity for your brand uh and which in this day and age with so much um competition for the audiences uh you know heart and and mind and soul um mm -hmm. you really have to um be be extra diligent on both the art and the science of your marketing practices right mm -hmm. so um, you know, and I teach branding at the University of Oregon's mm. Graduate School of Business. And mm. these are fu future uh, general managers, right, who aren't necessarily pursuing a degree in marketing. Mm. But my point up front is, is that, you know, we are going to, you know, look at how we satisfy the rational needs of an audience and the mm. emotional side. Mm. And even though you don't think you're creative, I guarantee you, you will be exercising your creativity mm. uh to achieve you know um the the level of brand resonance that we we all seek with our mm. audiences it's 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 interesting how do you in your opinion especially with nike you know doing so great on the branding side of things you know you see a lot of companies come out there and they they do this great job on the branding side and everything they've earned in terms of trust and awareness and all these things that branding can can really establish they they turn around and smack their customer in the head with just terrible marketing and what i mean by that is you've worked so hard to build the 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 assets and and get that so to speak i call branding kind of like a hello and then marketing kind of like hey could i sit down and maybe talk with you a little further something sure. so to speak that's right so what would you say to some to a company that says I mean, you know, we got our branding down, but our marketing is almost taking everything our brandings work for and flushing it down the toilet. That's right. Well, at the end of the day, the the the, the <laughs> your consumer the your consumer doesn't care about your process. It it doesn't it doesn't care about all the meetings you've had and the consensus you've built internally. And so ultimately it gets back to feeling. Um, you know, how do they feel about you? But more importantly, how do they feel about themselves when they interact with you and mm. their ability to achieve their hopes and dreams? And that's what your marketing is supposed to be serving their hopes and dreams. Mm. And to your point, you could have the best plan in the world, but yeah. if your execution is subpar, 
Um, yeah. And they don't see the meaning uh, within that, um, either from a utility standpoint mm. or just the emotional value. They'll go off and engage with someone else. So you're exactly right. Um, I don't. It's it's always a, a, a balance, right? Um, and um, you need to achieve a level of excellence uh, on both uh, the the you know kind of the building uh, of a strategy. And then the the delivery of that strategy in the marketplace, and ultimately that comes down to establishing a culture um, where the respect for the craft is is understood mm. by every single employee. And that's mm. why when when you engage with a brand like Apple, you know everyone, all the hundreds <laughs> of thousands of employees around the world know what time it is in terms of obsessing the details, mm. right? Whether it is an ad or a package, packaging or um, the, the in-store displays, everything has gone through a level of rigor um, and everybody respects that. And it's harder to achieve than one might think. But when you achieve that um, level of commitment to the craft, internally within your culture, whether you're a business of two people or 2000, then to your point, you will ultimately achieve a higher batting average um, mm. with with the the marketing execution that you put out into the world. It, it, it's it's so true. I, I just, it, it, you know, when you come across, I own a marketing agency. It's so funny because on one sense, and I'm, I'm very transparent with my listeners, one sense I love it and the other sense I can't stand it because the amount of fear I see in clients kind of ethos, their world is crazy because they're, they're trying to do innovative things without taking the risk. And what I mean by that is to say, hey, Ryan, we want to do something very unique, very creative. And you give that presentation to them and then they're like, wait a second, what the heck are we going to do? And you talk about this, you've talked about this several times. You said, listen, if you are in a place, working in a place that does that that penalizes you for using your imagination, you would never ever want to work in that place. So, question to you is: people who are listening that you know are looking for actionable, tactful strategies, it's how how could we a if we want to work for a brand, find a brand that promotes imagination, um, and b if we're working at a brand currently uh, that doesn't you know, what would be your advice to the, to these people? Yeah, no, great point. You know, and, uh, there's a, there's an old quote by the great legendary, uh, ad, ad man, art director, George Lois. And he said, you can be cautious or you can be creative, but you can't be a cautious creative. Right? <laughs> that's so true. Yeah, that's good. And, and listen, I'm not saying I always <laughs> live by that, okay? But I yeah. strive to. But, you know, the, the other thing I would say here and what I say certainly to some of my clients is how do you expect to take the your audience someplace new if you're not willing to go there first yourself? Ooh. Quite frankly, it's impossible, right? <laughs> yes. I think that's what some of the greatest innovators in the world have, have done is they've gone to that place first and then created an, an invitation for their consumers to be a part of that movement, right? Mm. Steve Jobs, Elon Musk, Phil Knight, right? Mm. So, so I think the first thing you have to ask when you're thinking about, you know, um, pursuing a new, new job opportunity or you're just getting out of school 
or you're a veteran at one company and it might be time for a change. I do think you have a set of questions probably that you need to ask a potential employer, you know, and, mm. and um, is there time for essentially daydreaming uh, within, with, within the workday or the quarter, right? Um, mm. I always made sure we set aside time um, and, and a protected space where you didn't necessarily have the business pressures that go along with our day-to-day -day work, right? Because, hey, at the end of the day, um, it is work. And these <laughs> days, mar marketing is, is it's real time, right? Yes. Um, you, you need to move at the speed of the consumer and be agile as well to read and respond to the consumer's aspirations and tastes and also the marketplace dynamics. So that's a hell of a lot of work. Mm. With that said, um, you must also find time to set aside to, to dream of a better future, if you will, right? Mm. On behalf of serving your audience um, better. And not only can you dream and brainstorm and ideate in that fashion, but another question to ask is, is there a forum um, within mm. your agency or your brand to be able to share where and uh, an audience of decision makers will hear your ideas, right? Mm. And then finally, what I would say, um, does failure equal failure? Or is failure part of the price of innovation, right? On the road to delivering something successful into the world. You know, every great innovation, there are a lot of stops and starts and a lot of work left on the floor. Um, but I think some brands, unfortunately, the minute something doesn't feel like it's working out because, hey, listen, you, you're in this business too. Right now, you can measure the productivity of mm -hmm. anything you put out there immediately, yep. right? So um, I'm a big believer of, of um, visualizing and prototyping concepts, testing them out in the real world, um, allowing failure, seeing failure as an opportunity to create something more successful down the road on that. Mm. So, you know, look, um, and, and I, I, I have a lot of um, sympathy for those that um, are just just trying to keep their head above the water mm. um, in terms of delivering all of the content needs and mm. and and plans uh, in this kind of fast paced um, environment that we live within. But Greg, At the end Greg, of the day, I think. Greg, why do you use go this, for it? Why, why do you use the word sympathy though, and not empathy on that? Yeah, I mean, you have well, you have sympathy for them, but sympathy and empathy, you know, you know what I mean. Two very yeah, different very, words. Very, very good, and thank thanks for the catch. I think as a leader, mm. you need to understand. You, you you need to have a, a, an awareness and and train yourself to have a mm. deeper understanding of how your team feels. Um, uh, when they walk into the mm. virtual or physical door of your office. Um, and um, I think we're in that moment of time. Yeah, um, and um, also being, being, being uh, you know, sit and listening um, to what it feels like. I think, you know, over the years, certainly for me, there was this, and I'll use this quote from Matthew Weiner. He, he created the, the TV series on AMC, uh, Mad Men. And he used to say, you know, as a creative, as, as a creative and business team creating that show, they were 
run ragged but creatively satisfied right yes. and you know that that idea yes. of hey this is really difficult maybe it's sometimes miserable but look at the art we're putting out in the world i don't i don't think we're there today i think mm -hmm. people want to live their best life and deliver meaningful work in the world and have better physical and mental health on that journey right mm. so so i think things have changed you know it's not the 120 hour work week yeah. um because <laughs> yeah. because what what i've learned is just because you've 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 worked 120 hour week hours versus 10 hours doesn't mean the work's any better Ooh, right true so so I think a lot's been learned uh, during this pandemic. And I think one of the big learnings is, is how you achieve the same or even better results in a more efficient manner. Um, and at the same time, um, look out for people's well-being, um, mm. regardless of what level within a company they are. I like that. I think what you're saying, I, you know, I, I, I use these two words uh, synonymously and I, I love it. I came up with this thing called soulful currency. What I mean by that is vibe currency, health currency, monetary currency. And it's a five pillar system that I just live by where I say, it's not about how much I'm working. It's about the quality and genius work that I'm doing while I am working. And so for me, I, I clocked it down to, I do about five and a half hours of amazing work per day. And then after that, I, I release and then I kids and we running around slip and slides you name it but i look at other people they're like well I'm, i put 12 hours of work in and i'm like yeah but like yeah, i don't know how many breaks were you doing and you're kind of snoozing like it's just they're working themselves ragged but they're you know i always say don't confuse movement with progress you know if you're moving that's, laterally that's right. if, you're not, if you're not moving laterally you're not going forward you talk about in your book oh i just this one is it's it's crazy the picture in the frame making sure the frame never outshines the picture I feel like that one statement is like branding and marketing and everything all summed up. Like I'm, because I just feel like if you can achieve what you were talking about, I, I mean, I think it's the hardest thing. Can you elaborate yeah. to our audience? What exactly you mean by that? Absolutely. You know, I, I always looked at the frame of your brand as your brand identity, mm. right? It's the vision, the visual identifiers of your brand. So if it's mm. Nike, Obviously, it's things like the swoosh, it's the color, the Nike orange, um, the Futura typeface, right? Um, mm. That was so prevalent over the years. Um, these are your, your signatures, right? These are the validators of what's in the center of the picture frame, which is the story, which is the story of the brand, mm. your product, your services, right? Um, so. Um, the, the, what's in the center ultimately is what engages the consumer on an emotional level in that moment, mm. you know, and that's, that's, that's why I, I use that, um, incredible image of Michael Jordan from the Michael Jordan wings poster. Right. Mm. Um, because at the end of the day, it's looking into his eyes. Um, and, and, and with that, uh, uh, William Blake quote, underneath his image that says no bird soars too high if mm. he soars with his own wings that's the so focus true. you want so now the white space the choice of typography the fact that you shot the photo in black and white mm. and you use the particular ratio for for the size of the post that's the frame 
but make sure the frame never outshines the picture because the picture um, is ultimately the story you're trying to tell. Um, but a weak, a weak brand foundation or brand identity or brand frame creates somewhat of an unstable or wobbly platform mm. for mm. your picture to shine, right? Mm. So it's just maybe a, a poetic way of just talking about um, the importance of both your, your, your brand look and your brand voice. And ultimately, just, just like you, Ryan, I mean, the picture is you and your personality and your voice coming through. And that backdrop you have of yes. all the important, you know, signals and elements that have mm. meaning to you is mm. the frame that you sit on. And I think mm. that gives you power. It empowers mm. you to tell a stronger story. Absolutely. There's uh, you, you. Have you heard of a producer, a movie producer named Will Packard? Uh, have I you, have not. He he's a he's a he works in cohorts with Tyler Perry and put out so okay. many different movies. Yeah. He was doing an interview though, and he said, you know, I have, you know, I think everybody in their house should have something called an I am enough wall. And so the interviewer said, wow, what, what do you mean by that? He said, well, I don't care who you are, but as a human being, you're always going to have self doubt. So he's like, I have self doubt on a daily basis, especially he said, the more crazier work I'm trying to do, the more doubt that comes in. And he said, he, he basically said, people feel like people who make it to the next level, next level, don't have insecurities. He said that couldn't be true. That couldn't be, you know, more false, so to speak. And so he said, I create this I am enough wall that just every time that voice of doubt comes in, I just look at it. So that's my I am enough wall because it's just little mementos that it just sets Absolutely. me back onto the path, right? Well, I, I, if I Go could ahead. add to that, you know, please once do, I, please do. Well, I talk about this idea of making sure you're, you know, building the the dream arena, if you will, mm. because because how do you expect to put innovation into the world if your surrounding environment is void of it? Mm. So you must mm. back to this idea of of you know, your, your wall and what we surround ourselves with. Um, I, I think it's really important as reminders of your superpower, you know, yes. and what you bring to the table. Yes. And I think we need those signals because of course we all have self doubt. We all experience imposter syndrome syndrome. And mm. so, um, we need those, we all have <laughs> voice that, you know, Sometimes the self-talk can be negative, and so you need everything yes. uh, in your in your favor uh, and and blowing wind in your sail um, mm -hmm. to be more effective at what you do. I love that. I want to ask you if Greg Hoffman's getting introduced on a stage to go and rock the house to ten thousand people that just want to hear what you have to say, and they say, "Greg, what is the brand song, aka your theme song?" that you want us to introduce you to today. What would be your brand song? Oh man, you're you're just you're putting me on the spot on this. I, wow. I have I have to because because you know when you go to an event or anything like that, you you talked about it, the colors, but the music, the smell, the these that's, things that's all right. come into the experience of of what we're going to do. You know when you see a great movie, they you know they drop the music and all of a sudden it gets low and you're like, "Whoa." Well, the last in your yeah. eye. <laughs> The last, the last keynote I did, um, it virtual keynote, uh, and I requested "What's Going On" by Marvin Gaye, Ooh. because I talk because because uh, Hot because dang. often, well, oftentimes I'm talking about you know using your creativity 
to create uh, emotional engagement with your audiences so they come on this journey with you to change the world for the better. Mm. And so part of that is making sure people can feel it in their soul. And so I think, you know, obviously uh, someone like Marvin Gaye and the mm. themes he sang about, um, I think spoke to that because he reached into people's hearts, right? Uh, and moved them. Um, mm. And some of the topics were quite serious. Mm. And these are serious times that, that we're in. Um, and, and so that's just one example. But I'll tell you, Ryan, I am one of those people where, you know, each month it's like, this is the best movie I've ever seen. This is the greatest <laughs> song, you know. And, 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 and part of that is just always <laughs> seeking these yes. inputs, right? And people are like, well, didn't you say that two months ago? That was the best yes. song? So. Oh. It, it does it does fit into this this constant need for for next but also respecting the past and the legends right and um just just trying to soak in uh as much uh inspiration as i can you've talked about the dangers of of playing with the fact that you know as somebody who's ambitious and always seeking growth as you're saying where i could ask you one question a month from now and your answer might be a little different depending on what you've what you've taken in in terms of creativity you talk a lot about not having a finish line and you're like listen it, you know sometimes when we go to those high goals then you get there and you're like okay now what and you know it's kind of interesting because i like to ask the question i mean how can we be extremely ambitious take action to get to our goals then get to the goal and be people that say, okay, we're done. Like that, those kind of people just are never like that. You sell a company, you're like, okay, let's start a new right. one. <laughs> so yeah. for you, uh, how, how does that finish line look to you? And how do you do, I guess, how do you cope with living with that kind of personality on a day-to-day -day basis where you know, I'm always going to be ambitious and always trying to set the bar? Yeah, it's a great question. And um, you know, as I wrote this book and it was nearing completion, right? And um, I always found something that I felt could be better, right? And it, and the publisher, editor, uh, great man, and he had a great quote. He just said, Greg, put the pie on the shelf and let it cool. Mm. You, will, you, you will drive Ooh. yourself mad um, <laughs> on that. Absolutely. Because, because to your point, there is no finish line. Mm. It will not be perfect. That's the whole point. It's very mm. rare to ask a movie director or an artist or a marketer mm -hmm. to look back on any work that's been held up as the gold standard. They're still going to find something that they think could be better, right? Mm. And I don't think that's, you know, living with, with in some kind of miserable state all the time. It's just mm. part of um, being a, a creator or a maker, right? Um, mm. Whether it's it's driving a marketing business and a podcast or someone owns a hardware store or this yep. person designs cars, right? Um, it's it's that kind of creator's mindset um, mm. of, of, of never being idle, never being mm. complacent. Um, certainly take time for yourself and your family and your friends and those those around you Always. to appreciate those moments, right? Yes. And show grat. I mean, for me, a big thing coming out of such a long career at Nike is is I realized like I also needed to to spend uh, more time sharing my gratitude mm. for 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 mm. those who who meant so much in my life because oftentimes when you're 
when you're in the cauldron, if you will, um, and 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 just really um, trying to achieve uh, things in in the world, you can sometimes forget, um, you know, those that support you the most in in mm-hmm. good and bad times. And so, um, but but what I do today, you know, what I really you know, with anything I'm doing, whether it's advising startups or or speaking, Mm. uh, teaching and and writing, um, a lot of it does have to do with trying to break down the barriers uh, and invite voices from individuals and communities that quite frankly, haven't had those opportunities, haven't been seen, haven't had a seat at the table, right? And of course, um, you know, black and brown people historically um, haven't had those invitations into the world of marketing, design, advertising, Mm. innovation, right? And so a lot of what I do um, is just, you know, demystifying those industries, number Mm. one, Mm. right? Um, And then two, trying to open doors, tell my story um, and advocate uh, for for more diverse representation. Mm. Um, and I don't, and I don't mean just by the numbers, right? I mean, diverse representation, meaning having a diverse team, but each individual is allowed to bring their, their personal perspective and experiences that they've lived into the workplace. That's representation. You have to activate the, the representation. Otherwise it's actually not represented. It's so, it's so, it's so true. I kind of go into your history. I look at your name, Greg Hoffman. My name is Ryan Holtz. My last name is German. My mom was German. My dad was Jamaican, but I grew up uh, white, white family. Right. But all of a sudden, you know, I'd start hearing some music and I'm like, oh my God, I can dance. Whoa. What's I I start, you start feeling like, whoa, whoa, something's a little different here. You know, and and you just get these little things, but I'm like, I'm not visually, especially if we're talking about brand here, let's talk about personal brand. In order to have a good personal brand, I think you have to know who the heck you are, in my opinion. And so you go on the self-discovery and you talked about growing up because I know you're adopted, but hey, I grew up in this white family. And along your journey, you're like, wait a sec, there's there's more to me than than what I'm seeing here, so to speak. And you, you even talked about the That's KKK right. and stuff like that and just heavy stuff. So how did you navigate, especially having the career you've had by going through those, you know, kind of code switching, like, am I white? Am I black? Am I too black to be white? Yeah. Too white to be black, so to speak. And then I feel like, you know, and you, I don't know, I, I want your opinion on this, but me as a biracial person, I feel like there's so much content on white or black, but in the middle, we don't, I don't feel a lot of content or, or awareness no. around that. And having that feeling of, I am white, but I am also black. How do you That's feel right. about that? Well, your, your, your point, because oftentimes you have to make a choice, right? <laughs> there, yeah. there, there is no, when you have to fill the box out, there is, there is no mixed race, biracial Straight box up. to check. Yeah. Right. Your whole, your whole life. Right. So just a, as an aside and, and it is, uh, it, it's great to talk to you uh, on this subject because you're right. Um, and really, up until recently, there's been very little um, out in in the media, if you will, in terms yes. of stories and experiences of what it's like to grow up 
as as someone who's who's biracial and and you know for me of course growing up in minnesota and in the middle of america in the mm. 70s and 80s you know in in my suburb in my town in my uh you know school system i was the only one right <laughs> yeah. and and yeah right and early and early on you know you're identified by certain classmates in in the worst way possible right yeah in the most racist ways possible and so yes. um you you kind of grow up being identified as as black but yet yeah. you're you're living in a, a, in, in a white family okay yes. now for me um I had this huge affinity for black athletes um, yes. across across all sports and mm -hmm. and you know baseball and football cards and and um, and and just became obsessed with it and that's kind of my first kind of also fell in love with the sport of boxing because mm. you know African Americans and black boxers dominated that sport. Yes, and yes. so that that gave me a sense of pride because I couldn't really find that pride as someone who was different, you mm. know, at home or at school early on, right? Mm. And so finally what I would say here is that here was this brand Nike in the 80s, mm. like mid 80s, mm. was really the only brand putting, you know, black people in their advertising, right? Mm. And um huge it, when 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 that wasn't something that was part of the industry standard and so um you know you, you you start to see these images and these stories being told and um it gives you back to that idea of giving you a a, a strong sense of identity mm. uh and 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 self and so that's just maybe commentary on those 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 early days and of course over time i started to dive deeper and 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 on those themes right um and was able to i think had the good fortune to work at a brand um right out of the gates you know where mm. i mean right into the company i'm working on yes. you know black history month posters and mm. and you know just just things that um you know, went beyond just selling uh, products, right? Having and something what, to say. What I find yeah, what's interesting too is that you took on football, you know, uh, European football, and that, and you were willing to take some of the work that everybody else was like, no, no, I don't want to touch this. And you know, in in some senses, which again, people who are listening, it's like you have to understand, like opportunities come. There's a there's a saying I do like to a degree says, you know, people have to understand an opportunity that that it's still an opportunity, even though it might not be attached to a paycheck. Meaning there's some things in life that it's not going to give you the upfront, you know, boom, 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 boom. But you got to be able to see through that and say, is, is this something that could take me or get me closer to, you know, said goal, right? That That's right. What, what can you make out of something that no one else wants to participate in? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You know? Yes. And so that that's where I was when I when I entered Nike, um, you know, became an intern and started working there full time. I raised my hand and I, it was clear no one wanted to work on soccer. Mm. You know? So I was like, I, I'll take I'll take that work on. And it allowed me to, to to exercise my point of view, my creativity, to take risks. Um and you know, was really allowed to do whatever I wanted. Um, and that's how I proved myself, right? And um, was able to 
um, be on that ride of Nike mm. football, going from a business that almost had no revenue at all to becoming number one in the world um, mm. as the, the global football brand of choice and nice. really was, was the sport that really made Nike an international success, right? Because mm. football is the world's game. Absolutely, absolutely. Do you think that because you you use your voice, so to speak, through a brand and there's all kinds of little it's and bits of, of Greg Hoffman all over the Nike brand and the Colin Kaepernick campaign. Do you think even though you use your voice in that capacity, do you ever feel like your voice was even louder than that? but you just focused on using that side of your voice or do you feel that as a game of seasons in your life throughout your career? Right. Well, I, and I also think, you know, it's, it takes, you know, for me at least it was a journey of finding my voice mm. um, at, mm. because as a designer early on, um, so much of what I did and how I proved my worth was through my hands, what I created, right? Yes. Yes. So the, 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 the power of, uh, visuals and and designed to to move people uh, and so um, and then over time I started to get bigger and bigger responsibility and so in the moment back to this idea of learning on the fly and being allowed to fail you know you really have to start exercising your voice and delegating to drive a brand like that around the world and mm. so of course um, by the time I'm overseeing you know, Nike's brand identity and storytelling and its voice around the world, um, that is, those are massive teams, right? And, and so um, it really allowed me to um, figure out, you know, um, how, to, how to, in some ways, um, create a school of thought, right? That a team could all be a part of. And it wasn't so much based on, because no one can, as a leader, right? No one can be lead by being me but if i distill my my principles and my thought process down into a digestible body of of school of thought mm. then just like any leadership tree or a coach's tree mm. that i i believe um uh, the measure of a leader is how many future leaders you help create right yes but the only absolutely. way that's po the only way that's yeah. possible is if you can can distill your voice um, into a set of um, principles that can be adopted and taken forward by the rest mm. of your team. And so mm. I always tried to make sure that, yes, how can I put a lot of myself um, into my work and the way I show up, but not to the point where um, I'm not contributing to the growth of those around you, if mm. that makes sense. Absolutely. Right? So, and that's part of the book is, how can I break this down in practical lessons Huge. that would be that would be meaningful and applicable to yeah. people from all walks of life, right? Um, <laughs> and that was important versus if it was just a story of me, but at the end of the day, you got done and said, well, this is kind of interesting, but oh well. And that gets back <laughs> to leaving a legacy, not just a memory. Yes. A memory is if... A memory is if I just, I, I, I wrote some interesting stories and you were entertained in the moment, but there's no lasting legacy mm. to that. 
educated, entertained, informed. I mean, when we look at content throughout the internet, I mean, it really comes into three buckets, you know, entertainment, education, and information. If you were to pick two out of those three, which two do you think are everlasting that you would really want your name wrapped around? Uh, well, one, I like your frame that you're using. And I always say the power of three. I try to always break <laughs> things down into the power of three. Yeah. Right. And, um, you know, but I, I, if I can cheat a little bit, I think in all three of those cases that they need to to reflect the values and the purpose of your brand and have a mm -hmm. level of authenticity, whether it is entertainment, education or information. Right. Certainly being a brand of distinction, especially when you think about where the consumer has chosen the platforms the consumer is choosing, especially young people, to engage yes. with brands, yes. they're in charge, they decide, and you must yep. meet them there. Otherwise, they'll go someplace else. But even if it's a, a TikTok video or an Instagram reel, um, it's it's it just becomes disposable if people can't connect what you sell and what you believe and what your promise is with what they're watching. Yes. So I believe you can... I believe you can be entertaining and distinctive and um, real and raw. But um, if you want it to be additive and build the type of equity that I think the best brands in the world have, then they have to see um, your authentic self within that, right? Mm. Um, on that. And, and maybe the last thing I would say on that is because we did a lot of this, right? Um, and we were always trying to find that 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 um, balance between something that was both functional, uh, mm. was stylish, um, and also had that emotional component. Um, but if something um, looks great but doesn't function really well, um, it's just going to gather dust. Mm. And something that functions really well but formally doesn't look very exciting or the voice isn't very distinctive it's just not going to stand out. So I think we're always in this place where we have to think of, of, of both of those sides, right? Mm. Um, and make sure what you're creating has some sort of meaningful impact in the consumer's mm. life, even if it is entertainment and contributing to their, 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 their happiness. And, and at the same time has a level of visual distinction that, um, is why you are who you are and why you stand out in this mm. crowded field that we're living with mm. right now. Mm. Absolutely. It's, it, you know, Kobe Bryant says a great quote. Somebody said, asked him, you know, hey, what, what, how would you define personal responsibility? And he said, booze don't block dunks. Right? Yeah. And it's, it's yeah. interesting because basically he's saying, keep shooting your shot, you know, and, you know, realistically, the opinions of others are they really going to get into the way of your bank account? Are they going to get into the way of, you know, how you move throughout your life? And so your responsibility to yourself is just keep shooting your shot, so to speak, right? I got to get you on your way here. This has been absolutely fantastic. A couple quick questions because I, I really want to chip away at your character today, Greg. I'm trying to figure out who is this? Who is this man been standing behind the Nike brand forever? You mentioned a lot. Uh, you're, pro you're You are a very private person and especially, you know, working with nike it's always like who's the person behind this you know is that by design or is that because you're introverted all the above 
Yeah, I would say it's it's all the above, right? It's like hey. I I uh, um, I do, you know, I I used <laughs> I refer to myself as a, a warrior artist, right? Um, the <laughs> the the you know the introvert the extroverted guy on the field of play, right? Uh, yeah, who's obsessed with sports, such a huge passion, and then the introverted artist, if you will. Um, and there's a time and a place for 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 you know we're we're not one characteristic right um our personalities are a mosaic mm. uh and and so it's just a you know when i'm comfortable expressing um the 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 different dimensions of, of myself just just like the the brand and you know nike um has always been a a, a brand that lets um its products and services and stories do the talking right yes. and that's why you yes. know it wasn't obsessed with um, having external facing leaders out out in the world, mm. out in the media, right? Mm. And I think there's an appreciation for that, and and the the maybe the a little bit of the mystique I think is good for brands, mm. and and quite frankly can be good for for people on that. Um, with that said, I think I'm I'm very external with what I'm passionate about. You know, mm. obviously anyone who's who's kind of engaged with me personally or through social media knows I, I do live a lifestyle of design. I don't shut it off. It's part of every uh, aspect of my life, whether it's what I eat or where I eat, what architecture I love, um, what I get, what I get from nature. Right. Um, and I'm very much about inspiring people to get outside themselves. Right. And um, make sure that, um, just like the most curious individual I ever met in my life was Kobe Bryant, right? Um, was the master at finding inspiration in the world outside of basketball and sharing yes. with it with us um, in 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 the meeting room. And that's yes. what made us all better is his his generosity with his curiosity. And so um, so yeah, and and you know what what I will say is what this book has done and all the kind of the conversations I've had around it is it has allowed me to share uh, mm. my story and a bit more about myself. Um, uh, in some cases on, on a national or global stage, which is yep. interesting, right? Sometimes Ryan, it's even more comfortable yes. coming on a show like yours and having this conversation then it might be just at being at a store talking to a total stranger. <laughs> of, of course. Uh, second last question. Uh, I'm going to say two words, and I want you immediately to tell me what you think, what, what goes in your head. What's your response? Brand life. Details matter. Ooh, I love that. Last question, my friend, and I ask, and, and um, you can you know plug and tell everybody what you got going on. We're going to put it all in the show notes and everything, but I always like to ask, what can I do for you? Well, I appreciate that. I mean, you can continue. Look, you, you do, you practice emotion by design every day. Because, <laughs> I, 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 do. because I can tell that your purpose is to serve the needs of your audience and, and, um, inspire them to to you know you know look within themselves and unleash mm. their own talents and and superpowers mm. to achieve 
um, you know, the best version of themselves. And so mm. this idea of emotion by design, design just means be intentional. Ooh. And and for so me, big. for me, how you can help me is is like I just believe that that you know the world needs more humanity. Uh, yeah. That brands need to be more human in this digital world that we live in, um, because it's human beings that have empathy, have curiosity. Human beings are the ones that dream, and human beings are the ones that leave legacies. So mm. let's leave a legacy we can be proud of. I love that. I love that. Everybody always says about the business to business and you hear that you hear the terms B2B, B2C. I always say we're H to H, man. We're humans to humans, you know, at the end of the day. And that's something we got to th take. Where can everybody uh, find out all things Greg Hoffman, all your design of life? And I notice, I notice no matter what you're wearing, though, and maybe it's just the pictures you're posting. You like your dark gray, maybe a little, maybe a little beige in there. But there's always some Jordan 1s. To, to, to on your feet yeah. i mean that's a bit it's like a staple piece for you and i know it's intentional jordan one it goes so my top three jordans are jordan three <laughs> oh. jordan threes are to me the greatest sneaker that's ever I got, been I got designed a, i got a jordan three right here for you my friend right back there behind Done. the little one <laughs> i love it jo jordan three then the jordan 11 yeah which could be which could be worn with a suit or a tux okay Ooh, so true and That's then so and true. then of course and then of course the classic jordan one and it's very 95 percent of the time if you see me out in the wild i am wearing jordans no question straight up straight up yeah. because because of what that brand means to me right oh. and and so and so where can you find find uh one, number one, the book is available on all digital platforms, right? Amazon, your your digital platform of choice. And it's also carried in bricks and mortar stores mm. uh, as well. Um, and for my friends in Canada, you're looking at the book that's available right there, Emotion by Design. And then, you know, feel free to follow me on LinkedIn mm. or on my Instagram handle at ghoff 70 and, um, you know, give me a shout out there. But um, it's just uh, been an absolute pleasure uh, with you, Ryan. I feel we could talk for another hour easily um, it, just about our own upbringing. Uh, and our, our, you, know. I, I, you know, I said to, I said to my team, I said, I, I hope I really want to vibe with Greg because Greg's like this. I, I don't know. You look so damn young. I couldn't even take a stab at your age. But I'm like, he's either like a close aged uncle, a distant cousin. <laughs> Or because I could just talk to you about stuff completely unrelated to any of this because I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's so nice to see. Oh, my gosh. Like, I, just to see you, it brings me joy, my man. And you're talking about having that, that, that you know, relatability, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, it's uh, and it's something you feel immediately, right? Uh, of so course. I, I feel your energy and uh, maybe we can circle back at some point. So. We're so glad you enjoyed this episode of the Ryan Holt Show podcast. Please don't forget to smash that five-star review as team hosts will love you for it. Also, say hi to Ryan anywhere on social media using the handle at RyanHoltz1. That's R-Y-A-N-H-O-L-T-Z, the number one. And if you or your business is looking to expand your brand, book a brand jam with Ryan using the link in the show notes.